Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Tuesday evening. Uh, I'm surprised. I saw by this time in the summer I'll be having more time on my hands. It'll be easier for me to put these out. But this uh, course I'm giving this uh, lecture series on the Maimonidean conflict kind of grew like topsy and... Uh, now it's seven, so I hope sometime this week to finish it off. Like a thing hanging over my head, but it's a complicated, you know. They're long and they're complicated. So I'll do what podcast as the opportunity presents itself. <clears throat> and here we are now at nine o'clock or something like that on Tuesday evening. Um going to Parshas Veschanan this week. The Parshas being sponsored by the Stefanski family. And we'll get right down into it. Um, as you know, Veschanon is an artificial beginning, right? The whole um, speech of Moses is Dvorim Veschanon Ekevre. It's one long speech. For I could see. Eilat Dvorim. Afterwards, when you get to Shoftim Kisei, it's arguable, you know, but we won't go into that. But I think it's, here, it's one. It's no question. Dvorim Veschanon Ekevre is one long business. Now, it's true that we... Uh, split up into sedras, but that's artificial. That's because you can't do everything in one week. And so, you know, you have to have for each week. And so, But it doesn't have anything to do with Lavdafka with uh, units of meaning. Same thing is true with uh, when you split the parsha, Shani, Shlishi, Ravi, and so forth. They're, they're, you need to split them up seven ways. Um, Lavdafka, each one's the end of a story. Um, as we all know, you obviously can't trust the chapter headings that comes from the Christians from Saint Jerome. So, I'm only saying this to bring out that you really. What's You know, Moshe, I beg to get into Israel. We all know the story. Veschanan means I pleaded, right? Eschanan, I asked for chanino, for 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 favor. Uh, and you'll remember, I'm sure I talked about it in the past. The Gematria of Eschanan is five hundred and something, and there's that famous book from the Megalamukas. Where he, you know, he gives all five hundred. Let's say it's five fifty. I don't remember the exact number. Uh, he gives five hundred fifty tefillos. And I remember from last year or two years ago, if you go on Safari, you, you do Megalamukos, and you do a little bit of homework, you will find it's on Safari. You can see all all five hundred whatever um, arguments offered by Moses. Some are more kabbalistic, some are more down to earth. I don't feel like going into that. Um, rather. What caught my attention and looking at the parsha is rather the seamless web that we have where the seamless narrative is artificially broken up. Uh, it's one long speech. So what did Moshe say at the end of last week's parsha, Which is really not a week away from Vaishkanon, which is one sentence. 3,000 years ago when Moshe was speaking, he basically ended, you know, Loti Rum Hashem Elkechem Hu Nilchem Hashem more. You know, like I'm talking now. One long narrative. So what was the end of Dvorim? Um, and, you know, Moshe, obviously, in Dvorim is telling over the past. And he finally gets to the Avar Yardim, the two and a half tribes, right? 
and you know he made a deal with them, as we all know, Reuben got Chatzim Menasha, and so forth. And then he says at the end, Vesi Yoshua Tzivesi, right? And I commanded Joshua, a Necho Haros he's called Shasom, Hashem Al Kinkum Lishneim Lachem Elo. You have seen with your own eyes how we wiped out Sichon and Og. That will happen to the Canaanites. Don't be scared of them. Because God is fighting. But I won't be there. I won't be there. So it's just very interesting. A major theme is the fear of Moshe Rabbeinu. What's going to happen when he's no longer there? Uh, if you want to put Moshe Rabbeinu in the most noble mode... Why not? Uh, he, he put up with a lot of junk. Uh, he, he wants to get in Israel, not for his own sake, but to see that the Jews do it right. Even though you could read it that he wants to get in Israel for his own sake. And it's very pathetic. I would just like to see Eretz Yisrael. I said this morning, you and I are so spoiled. You know, we don't even have this anywhere. I remember when I was very young, it was still a thing. Oh, somebody went to Israel. It was a big deal. You know, it's a big deal, a Jewish country and all that. Now it's for taking for granted. Now, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to Yeshua, I won't be there, because I prayed to God and he said no. God was angry at me because of you. Which is very interesting, because Lamanchem, um, is a funny word, and that's the basis of those who say that you know there's such a concept. Moshe had to die so that when Tchias Amazing he can lead them into Israel. But he says be is such a vort like that. It's not the Pashim Shad at all. The Pashim Shad this new guys messed me up. In which case, what exactly did they do wrong? We're not told. Uh, and then you have all those theories about what the sin of Moses is. I always like to say the plain Pashim Shad putting away all the the gravy and the salad. Is Moshe uh, was not successful in getting the Jews fired up about going to Israel. You know, down to the last minute, the Jews are borching and want to go back. Isn't it Rashi or someone, one of these parshas, that says six tribes went back and the other tribes had to go fight them, they had a civil war, all this, in the 40th year. So the Jews have a thing, they want to go back to Egypt. It boggles the mind, but there it is. So Moshe didn't do a good job. But he said, Be'er Hashem be l'manchem. So let it be. So as we all know, all Moshe was able to do was view the land. Alei Rosh and so forth. So what is he saying? You, Joshua, are going to have to lead. I won't be there. And I'm telling you, don't be scared. This is fascinating to me because one thing we know about Yeshua Nun is he seems to be always scared. Anybody's ever read the book of Yeshua knows. I remember many times God says Chazak Vemats. If you got to keep telling somebody Chazak Vemats, especially Hashem, Shema Minah, the guy's scared. Now, lack of confidence, whatever you want to say. A number of times Chazak Vemats. And indeed, when the Jews suffer a minor defeat at the Battle of Ai, round one, what did he lose? 36 men, something like that? You know, after the incident of Ochan. Look, read it over there. Yeshua freaks out. Oh, we're doomed, and this, and that, and the other. We lost 35 men. 
we're doomed uh, until Hashem says Kozabachan. So, Yeshua has issues. It's just interesting. Now, I can totally understand it. He's coming after Moshe. That's an impossible act to follow. Get it? Simply by virtue of the fact that you are the appointed successor to, to Moses. Even if God Almighty is the one who appointed you, because that's the story. Moshe wanted one of his kids. It's like every Rosh Hashim in the world. The biggest people in the world have a weakness for their kids. Right? Moshe wanted to be followed by his kids. His kids were not special. doesn't matter. It's a natural thing. Anybody knows anything about yeshivas, right? That's how it goes. And Hashem had to tell him, no, get Yeshua. That famous medrash which Rashi quotes, Yeshua put in the time, he fixed the tables and all that stuff. But Yeshua was scared. I'm not a Moshe. I don't know Moshe's chutz, I don't know his power. If Moshe was as tall as they say, now I'm not as tall, you know, and so on and so forth. Now, um, therefore he has to be bucked up. And therefore Moshe says, listen Joshua, as the Yeshua Tzivesi, right? Listen Joshua, you know we can do it because you saw us win the battle in Sichon and Og. Now I'm sure this is simply not true, meaning Joshua is thinking like this, yeah, we had Moshe to lead us, okay, you know, <laughs> Right? Well, Moshe's gone. How's it going to go? And um, therefore, it says talking this is partial. It's fascinating to me. At the beginning of Pasuk, whatever you know, five or six took him in. Hashem says to Moshe, "You climb the mountain, Kilosa versus as the yard is there." And then, what does it say after that? B'tzavas Yoshua, because Kevam Teu. <laughs> says those words. And Tzivoy. Hashem says, not only you should not say low to your own, but it, 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 having already said low to your own, Now Moshe already told him, don't be scared. You see, there's two elements. One is don't be scared. The other one is have the courage to make decisions. Correct? Low to your own is to be scared of the enemy. Chazak b'amaz means you have to make courageous decisions. It's not so easy. Many people in leadership positions, but when they have them, they mess up. Um, you know, last week I had a lot to do with the Civil War because of something. If you know anything about the Civil War, there were all these political generals. They all wanted to be major generals. Once they went in the battle, they know what they're doing. They got scared. People got killed for nothing. Right? So, and then, Having put that aside, that's really like an aside. Moshe gets back to the main body of his remarks in this long speech. I want you to pay attention to the chukim and the mishpatim. Okay? No, all oh, right. That's I mean, he says it over and over and over again. But here he wants to emphasize lo tosifu, velo Right. Why? Why do you have to mention it? What's the shot over here? Don't add, don't detract. Obviously, he figures when he's gone, there's going to be a movement to Emosa or, or Gorea. Obviously, the fear is Gorea, <laughs> right? Nobody wants to add on more misses. They want to take off, you know, make it easier. What miss did they want to get rid of? What miss did they want to get rid of? That's just interesting to me. Lotosib Lotigra. What's Moshe thinking? I'll tell you what I think. What's clear to me. 
you know, what 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 is your favorite sin, you know, so to speak? <clears throat> what are we afraid of? You know that old story? How does it go? Three guys in yeshiva, I told a million times. Three guys in three yeshivas find out they're not really Jewish. You know, the great-grandmother's conversion with reform. And one's in Hebron, one's in Mir, one's in Panavish. And uh, naturally, tomorrow, you know, they've been raised from, naturally, tomorrow they're going to be Megayar. But for the next <clears throat> 24 hours, they're not Jewish. So the guy from Hebron, he says, great, tonight, tomorrow I'm going to be Megayar, but tonight I'm going to Tel Aviv to party. Is Mutter. The guy from Nir says, tonight I'm going to watch a movie. Is Big Sin. And the guy from Panavish says, tonight I'm going to drink Coca-Cola. You think? Everybody, what's your, what, what are you afraid of? What is your sin? Well, let's put it this way. If they had their fantasy, what's Bog Tigra? What do you want to get rid of? And the answer, which to me is fascinating, which I go by the juxtaposition, is the intermarriage. Right? The shiksa is the Beno Smoke. That's very real. Because what does Moshe say? Lotosivolo, lo sigramimeno, the shmoras mitzvah shem, a nechem horaos, You saw what happened with Balpor. Because all the guys of Balpor got killed, the 24,000. And those who resisted that, instead of being dovik with the sheikhs, they were dovik with Hashem. It's a vivid language. I told it's a rhetoric. They're still alive. So, what's Moshe warning them about? The Balpur? Who in his right mind was to worship the Balpur? The answer is they did it because they've been in the smoke. We all know the story. We all know the story. So, was there a big desire for Beno Smoke? Hey, they were normal. If not for Pinchas and a plague and all the rest of it, I vague, the whole closet would have collapsed right then and there. That's the story. Sorry to say, that's the story. Within a very short time, it was 24,000 were killed. But it would have been a lot more. And Hashem said, Velochi Lysias Benez Obekinosi. You have a black and white. So you see, Moshe is afraid like this. And maybe he has a guilty conscience. I don't know. Because he wasn't able to stop the the, the, the smoke. Pinchas did. And here's Moshe about to die. And he just says, I'm not getting into Israel. I mean, it's a very human statement. And he said, Listen, these mitzvahs, Lotosivalov, Lotigralov. I'm not worried that you're going to take away Borer and Bishel. I'm not worried you're going to take away, you know, uh, Mikvah. I'm worried you're going to take away Shiksa. I'm worried you're going to take a Benosimov. Because you fall for that, boom. And if you read later on, this is always hard for me to get straight. I remember, I remember in the beginning of um, Shoftim, the book of Shoftim, in the Tanakh, it says that they intermarried like crazy. So here we go around saying, oh, we all come from uh, B'nai Yisrael, this and the other. I don't know. You go, you mean the Shoftim, they intermarried like crazy. Now, I don't say everybody did, but plenty did. And plenty did. So who knows which one of us, the Murray Prezi and all that kind of business, you know. It's, it's a weird. They showed them, but they did. You see? They did. Now everybody's big on their yichas. If you go back, it's not so simple. Moshe's afraid of this. And he goes on to say, Don't treat us lightly. Right? 
and I have I've taught you certain things. To perform when you get to the land of Israel. So usually, I bet you the average from guy said like this. It's a Shemitah, it's a Yovo, it's a Miser, you know. What are the misses? Then we get to the land of Israel. No, I don't think so. I think it's the intermarriage. I think it's the Benos Mov. The Yifas Tawars. Ushmartim asisim ki chachmaslam binaschem l'eni amin asha yishman zchukim ha'ela then he gives his famous speech, which Maimonides quotes all the time, or very specifically in the um, uh, intro to Perichelic, I believe. Right? Uh, because this is the Rambam's famous proof text he likes to use, that the Torah is logical, rational. Because it says, Ki this is your, your your wisdom in front of the nations. No, it makes you look smart. Because Asher Yishman is called Chukim Ha'el Ramru, Rak Am Chacham Benavon Right? Now, actually, this is not the from view nowadays. Take a regular Chassid. You don't give a darn what the guy think about how he dresses or how he performs in midst. You know, Chabzim, but... And here Moshe Rabbein is saying, if you, if you act this way, you don't... That it's not self-evident that your religion is a superior one, that you're not doing it right, because re'eli malati eschen, right? Shmarta v'asisa, tichach masan binachsem le'enu amim. So the Torah has to be something that works le'enu amim, the eyes of the people who are not Jewish. It has to be something self-evidently uh, noble and working. Uh, so that's always been the proof text of the rationalists. You see, a mystic will say like this: Who cares what somebody thinks? You can't understand what it means, but Hashem knows what He's doing. If He said to do this mitzvah, the tzitzis, the erev, whatever, the shotness, you know, kisi adam, whatever it is, <clears throat> you do it. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks is silly. You do it because Hashem knows what He's doing. So you might almost say it's counter-rational, as it were. Um, it's fideistic. You don't rely on reason to ascertain truth, but on faith. But this is a pasuk that sounds the opposite. That's why the Rambam uses it, right? That the Torah has to make sense. But to my mind, um, I don't think that's what it means. I think he's talking about the, the prohibition of the intermarriage. The prohibition of the intermarriage. That's what I think. And he says, Throughout history, most of the nations were not into, into in marriage. Especially when they conquered countries, this and the other. They all took the different women, the captives, and so on and so forth. It's Eiskemisht. That's the real honest reason why you don't see any ancient countries anymore. It's not somebody killed them all out. They blend in with other countries. The Jews seem to have been the only one who had a very... And not the Jews either all the time, but for much of the time, uh, they had a very strict policy in the marriage, as we know. Uh, this caused a lot of sinner. But on the other hand, even anti-Semites like Martin Luther and the others, they said, this is how the Jews survived. Right? By, ins- by insisting on this and doing a fairly good job of it, that's how it survived identifiably. identifiably. We live in a time today when the intermarriage is broken apart among rove of Kali Yisrael, unfortunately, they're talking going down the drain. 
as we know. It's just reality. Look at reform, the conservative, this, that, and the other. Another 10, 20 years, and nobody there. Right? Last one out, turn off the lights. That's going to be signed in the temples. Last one out, turn off the lights. Sell for a church. What happened? Right? How come the ideas that led to the rise of these movements all of a sudden became, you know, uh, not interesting? It's not because the ideas didn't come interesting. It's because they couldn't resist the intermarriage. Therefore, their children and the others and the partners are not Jewish. They don't have the Jewish sensibilities. The kids and the grandchildren grow up, grow up different. If you grew up with a Christmas tree, then don't expect anything. It's simple as that. I'm speaking now from the point of view of a historian. You understand? Sociology. It's important sociology. The um, Moshe is warning about that 3,000 years ago. At least that's how I understand it. They listen to all these chukim. And I'm sure to the nations of the world, when he says you can't marry anybody else, or a shifcha, I mean, a, you know, shifcha kanayinus and all that, you figure, what's wrong with these Jews? And that don't make no sense. Nobody else is like that. Right? But as time goes on, they'll say, ah, now I get it. They wanted to preserve their national identity. Rak am chacham b'navon, You see? Um, now, you could read it differently. This, what I just told you is my opinion. I think that's a shot over here. Uh, I, I didn't look if there are any Mepharshim on this. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Maybe somebody agrees with what I'm saying, maybe they don't. Um, however, um, and, and he, by the way, goes on to say, don't ever forget, Yom HaShem, Adolif, Nehachem, Elkechem, Barasina, you know, which if your grandchildren are not Jewish, they will forget, you know. But, um, you know, the Maimon Asina business. But uh, the thing is, you can also read it differently because notice the emphasis on the chukim. Um, now, mishpatim famously are rational. Makes sense. Chukim are not. So why does he say... This is my understanding of it. Um, I, I'll do it by way of illustration. Go tell somebody you're friends with who's not Jewish about the 39 Malochas. It's a nuts, right? You can't tie your shoelace. Bover, Bishel, you know, uh, caring. Tell somebody, Shusayakov, you are nuts, baby. They can't cop. Right? The air of means it is Rishos. No string. It's not Rishos. It, it doesn't make sense. And so if you describe the Orthodox Jewish Sabbath, and you give an honest description of it, from the outside it looks like it's crazy. Those who will spend a Shabbos in a normal family, they'll see it kind of works. Right? Kashuas seems crazy, right? Especially if you know, go tell somebody about not by not, <laughs> you know, and the nurse town of God and milk and flesh and so it sounds crazy. When you put it all together, or as Moshe Rabbeinu puts it over here, uh, when you do kolatora, when you do as a unit all together, it works. And that's why many people have been turned on to Judaism by experiencing Shabbos or Yantav or something like that.
It's not because they discovered a book with the laws of Shabbos in it. There are weirdos like that. That's the exception of the weirdo. I spoke about this in the ladies' class today. I said, whoever, you know, fell in love with Shabbos is because of a book. And one person raised her hand. I guess when she was young, she read the Grunfeld book. And she thought, it's cool. I get it. Well, listen, that's a Hersheyan uh, explanation of Shabbos. Uh, Hersheyan from Sam Springfield Hersh. Okay, I can hear somebody be turned off that. But now listen to this. I have a friend who's a math whiz and a half. Math genius. And, he, and I asked him once, when did you become religious and so forth and so on? And when he was in college, went to an Ivy League school. What turned you on to Judaism? Oh, I read a book and it changed my life. What was the book? <laughs> Are you ready? What was the book? Um, the Kiss of Shochanach in English. You know, the old one from years ago. I said to myself, it's a math of science and nuts. You know what I'm saying? I guess he was attracted by the rules, the regulations, the form. Everything is, you know, a type. Uh, that's the exception. To me, most people, as the cure of people tell you, you know, it's the Shabbos, it's the family, perhaps it's the Chond, maybe it's the Babich, I'll say it's the booze, you know, <laughs> whatever the case is, right? Never works, right? Now, uh, what am I saying? Kichola Torah says, if you implement the whole thing in a holistic way, then it makes sense. Even the Chukim fit together with the Mishpatim. And that has been the experience of from Jews. The Chukim fit together with the Mishpatim. They're not really going around, correct me if I'm wrong, asking yourself, well, I know the Mishpatim I do, but it really bothers me the Chukim that I'm a commander to do every day. I don't think anybody thinks like that. As long as life comes together, as long as it coheres, as long as they say Shabbos is Shabbos, Yantav is Yantav, you know, uh, this sermon, davening is a davening, it, it works. And that's how the Judaism has worked for a couple thousand years. You're always tweaking it a little bit. Then the set of davening is a tiny bit different. You know, this thing, there's a minute here and a minute there. But basically, the chukimish party part is there. Right? The chukimish party part is there. Moshe Abin is already telling you this thousand years ago. At least that's how I read it. Okay? And this is all prior to him telling the Ten Commandments, which, as we all know, it comes in two different forms, one in um, Shmos and one over here. But I don't want to get into that today. Uh, I don't know if I ever spoke about that before. But it's just fascinating to me. Now, before you get to the Ten Commandments, he has to talk about intermarriage. Because, Mamish, we see this in real life. You can keep all the Ten Commandments, and you have all the other tired misses. If you can't handle the Benos Mo of Parsha, the whole thing's a bracha batol. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Right? I always say, I remember year, hearing years ago um, that the Panavisharov used to go to South Af uh, Africa, you know, every year or two. Um, you know, in the 50s, 60s. As I remember. And he goes to say, like, of course, they're all Litvaks. They weren't from, in the classic sense. But he said, I like the fact that, you know, it's a low intermarriage. South Africa, in those days, you know, it's Shvatim. The, the, the Afrikaners were the whole shaver to kept themselves. The British were the whole shaver to kept themselves. The blacks in Africa were the shaver to kept themselves. Among the blacks was also shaver, like Zulu. And the Jews, okay? So it wasn't a bad country for the Jews in those days. It was bad for the blacks. They had apartheid, but I'm talking about for the Jews. 
but they but the social life was among themselves. And the point of Rishabod uses it like this is very good. One day your children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, somewhere along the line they'll start Bishama Shabbos. I'm not worried about that. But if you're already intermarrying now, there will be nobody there one day to catch the Shabbos part. You see? There will be nobody. And so it is fascinating to me that Chazal say that Moshe Rabbeinu was buried, as we all know, across the street from Balpur. Mul Beis Por. Um, I won't go into the olfactory aspect of that. Now, um, that means Moshe was, is weighing on him. And he's warning the Jews about this. And he's saying, listen, we had a close call not long ago, because the story of Balpur happened very quick, shortly before it's varn, right? It's on the 20th year life of Moshe. We discussed this a couple weeks ago. Uh, very shortly before the speech. And Moshe is burned by it, and everybody is. Everybody is. I repeat what I said before. Hashem says, if not for Pinchas, Kilisa is B'nai Yisrael B'kinnasi. And we wipe everybody out. So if that's the case, you understand? Then Moshe is telling them what's essential. Um, after you got that down, then we can talk about the Ten Commandments. <coughs> then come the rituals. But if you can't avoid the Benos Morv, then there's no Ten Commandments. Um, that's just a simple sociological fact. And we can say today, unfortunately, we can see in our own times, in America and elsewhere, the uh, the consequences of this. So, it's just fascinating to me, the partial week is always the partial week. So what Moshe Rabbein is calling attention to long ago, before you get to Aseris Adibris, you got to make sure you're okay, that's as true then, as it is today, right? And whenever you find something in the parsha, and you compare it to you know what's going on in the current events, um, you talk to see it, and that's why Moshe goes on to say later, if you have children who are Jewish, and you screw up, okay, then I'll put you in exile, but you'll come back. But you'll come back. If you have children and grandchildren not Jewish, there's nobody to come back. You see. Anyway, that's I think is one of the salient points in this posture. Once again, I want to thank the Stavansky family. And with that, I bid everybody a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.